Go woke, go broke. That hashtag was trending online as Bud Light drinkers turned against the brand after a product placement deal with TikTok star Dylan Mulvaney went viral and connected her transgender status to what historically has been a male-dominated brand. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Bud Light. Anheuser-Busch. Have a terrific day. That's Kid Rock. He led the boycott rally and cry with conservative Twitter pouring out their beer and using Bud Light cans for target practice. As investors, we're more interested in what the backlash is going to do for sales and ultimately the Anheuser-Busch stock price and if it might potentially help their competitors. So today on Dumb Money, the Bud Light boycott and the stock trade that nobody's talking about. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Chris Jordan, it is a hot topic today. There's potentially a huge stock trade brewing. The Bud Light boycott is extending beyond just that brand affecting the entire Anheuser-Busch InBev conglomerate. There were rumors that the uh, Bud Light marketing team was fired over this. The company released a statement clarifying that that is not true. They said that from time to time, uh, they produce unique commemorative cans uh, for fans and brand influencers like Dil Dylan Mar Mulvaney. Uh, this commemorative can was a gift to celebrate a personal milestone and not for sale to the general public. But other than that, the brand has been quiet. The Bud Light Twitter account has not tweeted anything since April 1st. Neither has the Budweiser account. What do you think is going on at Bud headquarters? And what do you think this means for the stock? And potentially, I see Chris wearing that Coors t-shirt today. What is this doing for their competitors? Well, t take a guess what trade I made yesterday. <laughs> Here's the thing. I received a text from a buddy of mine this week, and here's what it says. My friend's sister's boyfriend <laughs> sells for Coors and Miller Lite and said, okay, wait, hold on. My friend's, wait, my, my, my friend's sister's boyfriend, here's the text that I got this week. My friend's sister's boyfriend sells for Coors and Miller Lite and say, said his and his team, him and his team, have seen a massive influx of buy orders, and they've already hit, get ready for this, 80% of their annual sales quotas for the entire year, and it's only been one week since the transgender Bud Light news. OMG, that, if that is even remotely representative of what is happening right now in the world of beer distribution, there is a monster opportunity for investors to trade on this news. It's that kind of what I that we're always looking for. We're looking for something that might be good for a company or something that might be bad for a company, or in this case, it it's not great for one and, and could be big news for the other. Here's what I think people don't understand, because a lot of people are shorting Budweiser on this news event. The problem is that Bud Light sales represent approximately 10% of the 
of Anheuser-Busch sales as an entity. I think they generate roughly $500 million in global sales of Bud Light. Uh, excuse me, $5 billion. I think they I think they generate roughly $5 billion of sales of Bud Light globally. So let's assume that Bud Light sales drop by approximately 10% over the next few quarters. Okay, let's just make that assumption. That would only be roughly a 1% drop in sales for the parent company. That's not enough to get me excited about shorting Budweiser. However, where are those $500 million of sales going to? They're going to Miller Lite and Coors Light, the two biggest competitors of Bud Light. And that company, Molson Coors, generates about $9.7 billion of sales a year. And guess what, guys? Miller Lite and Coors Light sales are roughly $5 billion of that. So almost 50% of the revenue for Coors Molson Coors is generated from Miller Lite and Coors Light. So if we see, let's just let's just assume that that five hundred million dollars that Bud Light is losing over the next couple quarters or next year moves to Miller Lite and Coors Light, that would be a monumental increase in revenue for Molson Coors. That would essentially be a five percent increase in revenue for the company. Now I'm not saying that's going to happen. But we're seeing early signs that there is a massive shift in certain markets, at least, from Bud Light to both Miller Lite and Coors Light. And this morning, I went out to multiple grocery stores, and I happened to find beer distributors on the street. And I talked to two beer distributors, okay, that I found one in the parking lot of the grocery store and one in the middle of the street. I I, I pulled them over, and I said, hey, tell me what's happening, and... They both distributed for uh, Molson Coors and one also distributed for Bud Light. What they told me was that they saw a one saw a massive downtick in the last week of orders for select grocery store of Bud Light. The other told me that they saw basically no change. So what that tells me is that there's something here. It's probably regional. It's probably market by market. Maybe not a big enough deal to short Budweiser. But for me, I'm going long tap, right? I'm going long Molson, Molson cores on this news. Like it just, first of all, I also found out, remember our big trade of last year was tap Molson cores based on the launch of Topo Chico alcohol line. That's doing really well. They're getting better shelf space than ever. And I spoke to the distributor about that. And he said, man, they are really crushing it with their Topo Chico sales this year. He goes, they're peaking right now. We expect them to have a really big summer. So this summer, I feel really good about being in tap, at least for the next couple months uh, going into the summertime with all of the momentum, the additional tailwind of orders they're going to get from this whole Bud Light catastrophe. What do you guys think? And we've seen we've seen the uh, Molson Coors stock chart. You know, it's it's kind of been flat. This is a one-year chart that we're looking at. And- not all that exciting, if I can get rid of the ads here. Um, but if if you look at what's happened over the last five days, it's up seven percent just today. I I got in late on this. I I'm kicking myself for not you know I I was thinking about this. I saw this trade. I saw this controversy. I wanted to get in, and I I just dragged my feet and didn't do it until this morning. I bought some options, but I feel like 
Coors has already made their move. Oh, by the way, full disclosure, I do own call options on Molson Coors. Um, also, I'm I'm not. I could care less about the politics of this. I'm not on either side. And the way I see it is, we're observational traders. Make your money off the trade. We're not financial advisors, so do your own homework and make your own decision. But yeah. make your money off the trade and then put the money to support your activism on either side, right or left. I could really care less. For me, I just see this as an opportunity. It, to We're seeing, listen, who drinks Bud Light, guys? Let me ask you a question. Have you seen the video of the Budweiser head of marketing that caused this whole issue. She was trying to save a dying brand. But do you know that millennials, especially Gen Z, Gen Z does not really consume beer the same way that boomers do. I don't think there's anything that they could have done at Bud Light to revive the Bud Light brand for younger people, which is what they were trying for. Yeah, there's it's a, only it is a dying brand. It's been a dying brand for a while, and it's just yeah, it's it's the sign of the times. And they were so, trying so to find a new argument against Miller Lite, Coors Light, that they're dying brands. And by the way, you have seen Coors Light cans with the rainbow flag. You have seen Miller Lite don't you know try to go out and do activism in LGBTQ plus bars. And so I think. People are just it's not the headlines, no Jordan. Of light, not the headline. When when all these brands have been doing the exact same thing, and I, you know, I to, to hold one to account versus the other, you know, I just don't really see that any of this really makes sense. And so you've got to figure out is is this a long is this gonna is this gonna spark a long term trend? Because if it doesn't, then the move's already been made. But if it does, and all of a sudden, you know, venues start only selling Miller Lite instead of Bud Light because of this, then maybe maybe there's still some more moves to be made. So, so Jordan, I, I don't, I agree with you that actually Coors has a longer history of supporting right. the LGBTQ community, yeah. but it's not, the, it's not the headline right now, right? And so it's not what people are focused on. And I don't really see this as a long-term trade for me. This is this is a multi-week to multi-month trade max for me. I, I, I see it as a short-term tailwind going into the big season, right? For drink, like for the big drinking season going into the summer. So, like for me, if you look at Bud Light drinkers, Jordan, right? They're not super sophisticated boomers, right? Boomers tend to be kind of like more kind of focus on I think the people that are boycotting this are not necessarily doing deep research right to see who think individuals Jordan your mic is you need to jiggle the uh, wire on your mic it's gone out oh my weird noise health there you go my back you're back so yeah look I don't think that individuals boycotting Bud Light and switching to Miller Light is going to make a huge dent in either company's you know, bottom lines, I think the only thing that could really make an impact is, you know, all of a sudden, you know, major restaurants start making a change or, you know, concert venues or, you know, tour promotion, they start making changes. I mean, that's the only way that you're really going to see a big impact on, in any of this. But is it fair to say that we don't need to see a big impact? You see some impact at grocery, you see some impact at restaurants, you see maybe some impact at arenas and collectively maybe you see a temporary 10% dip for a couple quarters in Bud Light sales probably doesn't do all that much for Budweiser 
but that could be a huge win for Molson Coors as as you know a ten percent drop. That's half a billion dollars annually. If even a good percentage of that moves to moves to Coors Light and Miller Light, that is a game changer for that company. An absolute game changer. I, mean, I don't. I don't think that's half a billion dollars. I thought there. I thought Anheuser Busch in totality. I thought their uh, North America revenue was something like twenty or thirty billion. And so, so you're talking so, like a couple billion tops. But that's no, that's even no, Jordan Anheuser Busch in North America. Jordan, no, 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 no. I'm looking at globally, and I could be wrong, but I'm. Oh no, you can't look at global sales, dude. Because Bud Light, I mean, Bud Light is not going to be a huge brand. I think this is a uniquely American issue. Well, well, Jordan, I'm looking at global sales for Bud Light. Bud Light global sales. I I, could be wrong. Five billion is what is the number that I'm seeing. So, so what I'm thinking is. Yeah, I think sure, I could say five billion global for Bud Light, uh, but but compared to what, like I said, I think Anheuser Busch's North America revenue is like twenty or thirty billion dollars. You, we lost you, dude. We lost you, Jordan. What is the deal with mine? My computer is playing tricks on. A loose connection. No, it's not. It's something else. So you're saying probably not a big deal for Budweiser, but Jordan, that right. if you get a ten percent drop. That that's a big deal for Molson Coors. Even if they pick up a hundred million, if they pick up a hundred and fifty million, two hundred million over the course of the year, that that is a big deal for Molson Coors, right? Um, I do agree that the beer category generally is in trouble long term, and I think Molson Coors is going to have long term issues there uh, with Coors Light and Miller Light. But again, for me, this is just a, it's a short-term, multi-week, multi-month tailwind. I yeah. like it a lot. Don't you also think, Jordan, that in the current economic environment, because I know you're a macro guy, that there could be shifts to some of this cheaper beer, like would have been Bud Light if not for this, but right? But Coors Light, Miller Light, I think they're kind of probably decently positioned for this kind of economic backdrop that we're in when it comes to drinking and people maybe drinking less at fancier places and going for just the cases of beer, cases of cheap beer? I think beer generally does well in recession. And then also it's a reopening play too. So if you look at the China reopening, you know, that's going to be a big headwind or a big uh, tailwind for Bud, um, who has a big, you know, Asia presence. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think tap is fine. I'm, I'm not rushing out to buy tap on this news though. Oh man, it's already moved four and a half percent today. And and, I, and maybe some of that's because of me, <laughs> but I don't I don't make a lot of it. Maybe some of it's me. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. How many How many options did you buy? I I bought not 50. many. I bought so I I was buying yesterday and I bought some more today. Um, I have more than you, Dave, but I don't have like that much more and. Like I said, I I think this is just an interesting tailwind for the company. Uh, I didn't even check to see when they have earnings. Do you guys know when Tap uh, has earnings next? Yes, I think it's May second, May first or second. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. They might actually mention on that earnings call, you know, how they've been impacted by all this. Again, if you so, I'm going to go back to the text, right? Because that text is actually really powerful. And I, I don't know that it's representative. But again, 
this kid works for Molson Coors uh, or a dist- yeah, works for Molson Coors and is saying that he has hit 80% of the annual sales quota. Like that's that's wild. Did I in, pre- in mid-April? Yeah, that's amazing. So something's happening and <laughs> something's happening there, right? And I did so one of the one of the beer guys I spoke to today told me that we probably won't see the impact for a few weeks of what's happening with Bud Light. But he said that in some of the stores that he reps, some of the big grocery stores, he said that he has seen a sharp drop, a sharp drop uh, already in Bud Light. So I think that, I, and again, the other person I spoke to transparently told me he saw no change, absolutely no change at all. So I don't think this is a systemic issue that's going to exist in every single city. In fact, I did see some reports that Bud Light sales in Manhattan have not changed at all. Kind of makes sense, right? It's Manhattan. It's less sensitive to to this type of an issue. But I do think there are a lot of places where Bud Light is consumed in pretty big volumes, guys. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, like the South, the Midwest, deep suburbia, rural areas, primarily male uh, there are a hell of a lot of male drinkers that are boomers that are sensitive to this topic and might over, probably will overreact, or maybe some people are angry and just they're looking for some way to vet. I do think this is real. I do think part of this is real. I think it's um, real. I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on Budweiser at all, but I do agree with your thesis that this is potentially really big for Molson Coors. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I, I guess, you know, the more I think through it, I think a marginal dollar could hit, could hit uh, Molson Coors, um, even though I think it's ridiculous that this story blew up, but then, you know, anything that Molson Coors has done has not. Um, but that's, you know what I mean? so it's like, if you're going to get mad, if you're going to get, but no one's, get, but this is, this is the reality, right? We are observers of the world. That's all we're doing. We're just observing what's happening. We're not saying it's right or wrong. Listen, I you know, I, I watched 100 TikToks on this, and I agree. I did see a bunch that were like, guys, I mean, it, it's a lot of reaction videos are like, Coors has been doing this since the 70s. Yeah. They've been supporting that community since the 70s. Right. But you know who's not seeing a lot of those videos, Jordan? People that have the algorithm driven to a certain type of content won't see those reaction videos. They're only seeing the angry videos of throwing out Bud Light and let's screw this company and all that stuff. So it's just how the algorithm works. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And long-term, I, yeah, I, I, I think that Bud, Budweiser being inclusive is probably a great thing long-term for their brands because they are running out of people who are drinking their product. And if you think about other product, other companies that have been canceled numerous times, has Disney really been hurt by the many, many times they get canceled by the same group that's boycotting Bud? Okay, but Dave, this is where I disagree because they're trying to be inclusive to revive sales of a brand of product that is not generally consumed in high quantities from the younger demographic that they're trying to reach, no matter what the marketing is. But it could. 
And the re reality is the younger market that doesn't have as much money isn't drinking premium IPAs. They're drinking lower cost things like Bud Light. No, they're drinking Borgs, Dave. You know oh, that. That's, that's what we did last week's <laughs> episode. They, I'm telling you, as a restaurant owner, guys, I am seeing things that are blowing my mind. Our beer sales over the past 24 months have dropped through the floor. Our alcohol sales have gone through the roof. Like, I cannot even believe this transition that's happening, especially but, with the younger demographic. Because let me tell you, a lot of our alcohol sales are late night, Friday and Saturday night, age 21 to 26. And that demographic is coming in and they are not drinking beer anymore. They are drinking liquor. They're drinking mixed drinks. They're drinking alcohol. They're drinking um, like we have all these kind of pre-made kind of alcoholic drinks you know they're like but none of it's beer it's wild i think that that's probably it is beer. it's not Bud Light. it's not miller light it's not coors light it well, it's well, a bit of your demographic at your restaurant you're a higher end place and you have a very nice fancy cocktail menu i i choose not to drink beer when i'm there because your cocktails are so good no but that's not what the kids are drinking at one in the morning these kids these smu kids are just literally drinking like tequila, tequila. Like they're just doing shots. Like all I'm saying is liquor is hot, hot, hot right now with the young generation. They love liquor. They love like just regular alcohol, not beer. And Jordan, the IPA movement is like dead. That IPA movement that was that is like so falling apart at it seems. I think everybody's coming to the realization that most people just don't like the taste of IPA and we're done with it. You do. Well, you, you you are a, a guy that rides his bicycle like 100 miles a week and drinks IPAs. You should be living in Denver, like living <laughs> that lifestyle. Like, But you are an anomaly. And you're also, well, you're not a boomer, but you kind of are. Age-wise, you're not a boomer. What are you talking about? I'm a, you I'm vibe, not you vibe like a boomer sometimes with your IPA. <laughs> he acts like a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> dude i i just i don't like long term i think beer is dead long term but short term amongst those who are drinking beer i think we have one hell of a tailwind for molson cores uh and and a, a tiny bit of a headwind for budweiser i'm not shorting bud on this but but i am long molson cores yeah that, I, I would if i were to do anything it would be that i would not short budweiser because of this mm -hmm. no I, I think I you know I you know I did short Budweiser literally like the day after this happened, and I just waited for it to drop, and it didn't drop, and then like the and I I exited my options, and then right after I exited my options, it dropped like four or five days in a row. <laughs> just the That's timing was way off. Yeah, but that but that, that was the react. I was looking for the reactionary drop, ba not that would not be based on reality, just based on oh my gosh, the retail investors, people just like other people thinking other people are going to sell it, so they're. So, and I was when it hit the news cycle. That's when I was like, how did I how did I miss this? Because I saw it online, I saw it on Twitter, and well, literally, I just saw it on Twitter. I I don't think I even saw it on TikTok, but I saw it on Twitter before it hit the. Uh, the news and I was thinking I just missed it. I hate myself for missing it. Dude. The only thing this did for me was it I was 
I was contemplating buying Bud um, because of the China reopening play, but yep. I just I didn't because of the because of the controversy. Um, so I don't. I, I might still buy Bud. I don't know. But but by the way, uh, Jordan Lee Autry says you have a boomer soul, and I could not agree more. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, Lisa Autry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, also, um, I agree, guys. Tequila, just you know, side note, tequila is hotter than it's ever been. It's like it's crazy how much tequila we sell at my restaurant. Dave, your bar, I would assume, is similar. Like, you have a weird crowd at your bar but you're probably selling crazy amounts of tequila right i think our daytime crowd is just drinking beer all day long and then our nighttime crowd is switching over to alcohol and i think tito soda is is and probably will forever be the number one drink um but yeah tequila shots are always big yeah um by the way jordan i think uh a brion 88 makes a good point because i he he's like he says you guys are missing the point. The right doesn't. I think when he speaks says you guys. I think he's talking to uh, Jordan. But uh, he says he's, he says the right doesn't care that much about companies supporting LGBTQ, but the issue is about Dylan Mulvaney, who who the right says right or wrong, who the right says caters to is grooming kids. So that's a perception, right? Like that that that's a perception um that people have right or wrong so it they feel that this particular individual is the extreme version of the thing that they're against and that's what's probably driving all the passion yeah the groomer groomer farce yeah that that's yeah like i said it it, it's it's not about whether it's real or not jordan and and that's where we have to you know make a distinction right and you know how things get when they go viral dude it just you end up getting the headline story right and we also know this. People enjoy being angry. People want to be angry at something. Like, I don't know what it is. Post-pandemic, there's a lot of angry people looking for something to be angry about. Have Is boycott culture, guys, gotten to the point where we've gone too long without a boycott? We're looking for a boycott? Like, does that not feel it? Did it feel I almost feel like the boycott culture has gotten to the point where when something gets boycotted, you just kind of ignore it because everything's being boycotted. Well, the problem is that everybody disagrees on everything. And so if one group boycotts, it just encourages another group to go and buy. And so there's no there's no unity. I, so, Jordan, I totally agree with you, except when the thing being boycotted is only mostly being consumed by a single demographic, then that demographic in this case has a lot of leverage over that thing. Like some people are just like, like, oh yeah, I don't really care, but I'm not going to buy Bud Light because it sucks, right? And it's not, has nothing to do if I agree or disagree with the with the politics, I'm just not going to buy that. I'm just not going to buy that product because I don't I, I don't consume that product. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like, I don't think the the like the opposite side of this boycott the average 20-something-year-old who's like, hey, I, 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 that doesn't bother me. In fact, I want to support that. They're not going to start drinking Bud Light. They're just not going to do it, right? Like yeah. the type of drinks that they drink, they're not drinking like American beer and they're not going to start drinking American beer no matter what the brand is. So it could. O- that's why I think this boycott is kind of interesting because it's such like a unique demographic that consumes this old school product. Of American beer. Okay, can, can I get your opinion on an offshoot of this? Because uh, the next move by Dylan Mulvaney, and I haven't seen this in the news, but I've 
seen it in an article. Uh, after tarnishing Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney is now promoting Nike sports bras and leggings on Instagram. There was a tweet from at End Wokeness that said Dylan Mulvaney is the new face of Nike women's sports bras and leggings with a photo. Uh, if the haters want to take down Nike for seeking the endorsement of a trans woman, they'll have to try harder. But uh, it's this article saying that Nike's sales are up, even though they were canceled uh, by the end wokeness crowd uh, over the over the kneeling situation. What was that? So, so Dave, that kind of gets back to exactly what I was saying. The Nike demographic is very different, right, from the American beer demographic and that Nike actually made a decision a couple of years ago to go all in on the top seven markets. They're like, we want to focus on the top seven big urban markets, right? And not emphasize everything between the cities. So like Nike, it actually kind of works in their favor in a way when they make those moves, because for every person they lose, they might theoretically pick up 1.2 people, right? Right. Didn't, um, didn't, wasn't there already a backlash on Nike where people were like burning their Nikes and they, you know, um, what was it? Or was it over Kaepernick? What was it, Dave? Do you remember? Do you remember what the outrage was? For? I think it was the Kaepernick it protest. Kaepernick. Uh, they protested racial injustice by kneeling at the national anthem in football games, but, uh, to, 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 yeah. But then it came back that, that it became a big hit campaign. The, uh, Kaepernick cooperation uh, collaboration had them burning shoes and ruining socks by cutting the swoosh logo off of them. The campaign was a smash hit, delivering a spike in sales, and Nike continued to top expectations for revenue growth with 2022 fourth quarter net income reaching $1.44 billion. Yeah, no, obviously this is a this is a totally different, you know, you know, issue or set of politics than uh bringing Dylan in for camp. But that's what we have to keep. We just have to keep an eye on what's going on yeah. so that we can try to make yeah. the right moves in our stock portfolios. Right. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. Guys, speaking of Nike, I cannot even believe I, I've made, I made $20,000 on that Nike trade on the air of uh, premiere this last weekend on which was last week's dumb money episode yeah. if you guys haven't seen it you have to check out our episode last week we talked about how we thought nike was going to massively benefit at least as a from a perception standpoint from the quality and the representation they had in the air movie that came out this last weekend which by the way i saw it with the family it was freaking incredible like oh my gosh it was such an awesome movie and I was so glad as I was watching the movie, all I was thinking was Nike's going to open up big next week. They're going to open up and they're going to stay up for a few days. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, so yeah, th that, that's been a big trade. I actually exited a piece of the trade. I still have a little bit more to exit. Uh, I'm almost out of the trade, but it's been, it's been a fun one. And it just goes to show observational investing, social arb investing is back. We're back guys. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you would on to this trend a little bit. So I'm not saying you, if I, if I, if any of us would have just like glommed on to, you know, the ticker symbol TAP the second that we heard about this, we could have made a little few more dollars, you know? I mean, I, yeah. I you know, it, 
replace or just like if you agree disagree whatever i mean the stock is reactive so I, you know i would encourage everyone and i'm going to make a commitment to all of our community that i'm going to re-engage with our discord i promise to get in discord at minimum once or twice a week kind of read you know the observations that the community has in hopes that we can get to these things a little bit quicker it's dumbmoney.tv forward slash discord right dave uh to really right. join it just it's just a place for us to share knowledge and information and to help each other surface these kind of cultural shifts and consumer behavior shifts a little bit quicker and it allows us to dissect other people's ideas and to poke holes in you know the thesis that we're talking about on the show today or that anyone else in the community has it's how we get smarter it's how we invest better and i know we've dropped the ball and haven't been very active in discord but i had a actually had a meeting with our mods this week and I really want to try to get back in that world because not that the market is stabilizing because it's still pretty volatile, but I do see the light at the end of the tunnel now. I'm kind of feeling that our social art methodology is going to have a big year. Um, nearly every big trade we've made the past five, six months has worked out. And I kind of regret not going in heavier on all these trades. Have you guys seen novo what's going on it's at 166 bucks a share my god uh, eli lily look at eli Lilly. like these things are all of our stuff is is moving like it's absolutely incredible guys guys people were making fun of us for talking about this semaglutide trend every freaking day and i was tweeting about it and people were like what are you doing and like this is why this is why all right like it, it, it finally came together. So, um, and by the way, we're still we're still getting insights. Uh, as far as I can see, demand is still far exceeding supply, uh, both in terms of Novo and Eli Lilly. We have some community members that are helping us with research. You know who you are. Thank you. Um, it's still outstripping supply. It, you know, my analysis is that Novo is likely able to monetize the current demand a lot better than Eli Lilly is just because they've been able to ramp up their manufacturing of, um, you know, the few drugs that they have on the market. I'm sure Eli Lilly will catch up and Eli Lilly has, you know, you know, their, their version of the semaglutide drug is going to likely be approved for mass consumption for obesity, not just for diabetes later this year. And that's why people are starting to get excited about Eli Lilly. But honestly, both these companies, I believe, have a bright next 12 to 24 months ahead of them. And I'm really glad I'm heavy weighted in both. Yeah, I'm I'm only in Novo, but uh, good move on that Eli Lilly as well. Well, Eli Lilly, Dave, is like everything's kind of in front of them still. Now, it's not as much of a pure play on the semaglutide trend, but like when everything's in front of them, like their drug will be, it's Manjuro, Manjuro will be superior to the Novo uh, drugs, uh, and it already is, but once it starts getting prescribed, more broadly, uh, due to the new obesity designation that's likely to get approved later this year, um, the weight loss is better. That said, Novo has drugs in the pipe 
that are even better than that that are likely to get approved next year. So it's going to be like both of them stair-stepping over the next 18 to 24 months. I honestly think both of them are going to be falling short of demand for at least the next 12 to 18 months. So it really doesn't matter. They're both, as much as they can make, is going to get consumed on a global level. Yeah. Here's my little uh, cheat sheet on which is which. As far as uh, diabetes versus weight loss, Eli Lilly versus Nova Nordisk. And if you want your own copy of this, just uh, go over on Twitter. I'm at Dave Hansen. This is something I tweeted a while back when we, when we were talking about these drugs. Okay, so Dave, I'm going to tease our, what I think might be the next episode if the research all works out and you guys agree. Uh, I'm working on a holiday, uh, 2023 holiday trend right now. Which holiday? It's April. Uh, Are you planning for the 4th of July or something? The gift-buying holiday. The <laughs> gift-buying holiday. Uh, Christmas. I'm, I'm looking at a holiday uh, gift-buying trend that I think could be big, that I think I've identified a company that will benefit. Uh, I have more research to do. I will discuss it first in the Dumb Money Discord. I'll put that in there in the next few days and kind of get everyone's reaction. People might already be talking about it there. I don't even know. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about that on next week's Dumb Money. So please follow, please like this episode. Give us a thumbs up, guys. Uh, and then next week could be a really good one, guys. Yes. And before you go, you do need to give us a thumbs up because only like a third of the current viewers have logged in with their thumb. Uh, okay. Thumbs that it? be appreciated. So, um, cro everyone's asking about Crocs. Remember the show where like I exited almost all my Crocs and then did you talk me into getting back in some? So I'm back in Crocs, but I'm just not in as heavily as I was, as I have been historically. So, you know, I'm in, but not that much. Yeah. Crocs is What's it been it's kind of going sideways over the last three months, basically up and down within, within the range up 2% for the last six months or three months. Yep. Six months. Look at that. 70% gain. When did I tell you to get back into that? I, I, uh, right before probably, earnings. It was probably somewhere. Yeah. I, I don't, I think it was right, right before earnings and they had a great earnings. So, because I think this, uh, green line is when I got back in. Are you guys still in on running? Nope. You out? I'm out. Yeah. Look at that. What a beautiful, beautiful last few weeks and on running. Love it. Love it so much. Whew. Um, someone says, what about WBD with the Harry Potter game? Haven't looked up War that. Is that Warner? Right. What? Is that Warner? I don't know. WBD. Uh, if it is Warner, I don't think it's going to move the needle for them. Any Harry Potter game, but. It's a thirty-four billion dollar company, Warner Brothers. Yeah, it's kind of hard to move the needle, guys, for a thirty-four billion dollar market cap company. It's possible, but you really need something to be meaningful for that to happen. All right. Until next week. All right, that's it. We're done. Money. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.
Dem with the bed is that innocent, that being with the flesh is him, doing with the gun, Mr. Peter, 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 Mr.